Hello everyone and welcome to this episode, the solo one of the Women Talking About Learning podcast. I'm Andrew Jacobs. I'm regularly surprised by the creativity of our guests and this week's is a case in point. Our guest, and there is only one, is Linnea Hugrian. Linnea is a freelance learning producer whose motto is, how hard can it be? In May of 2020, she decided to quit her, what she calls, safe job, in the middle of a global pandemic, and decided to start her own company, selling her services as well as ready-made concepts and content to clients in Sweden and the rest of the world. A member of the global learning and development community on LinkedIn, Linnea took over as one of the co-organisers of that group in February 2022. This episode was recorded in late March 2022. This is Women Talking About Learning. This is Linnea talking about Solo. Hi everyone, it's great to be here on the podcast talking about being solo. And uh, starting your own company can be terrifying. So my company helps other companies create training. So I usually say I'm a training producer, meaning that I make training. Now that's not all I do. I do help companies with learning strategy. I help them acquire like systems, LMSs, LXPs, etc. if needed. But mostly I help them uh, create uh, the outlines for courses and the content to be put in them. So I work, I would say most of my day is content production. So I make a lot of videos, animated videos, point and shoot videos, um, any kind of interviews, different kinds of, um, I have, you know, a bunch of cameras, bunch of microphones, bunch, bunch of software. And I, I love talking about software. So if you find me someone else that somewhere else, that's probably what I'm talking about, like animation software or something. But um, I, uh, yeah, I help them with that. I help them with audio related productions, voiceovers, and uh, narrating content. I make, you know, the visuals and the, uh, I help them with text sometimes. Um, a lot of the text related stuff is actually about simplifying language for people who might not speak, uh, who might not be fluent, like native speakers of, of the language, mostly Swedish, but sometimes English. So that's, that's what I do. The thing that all, always sort of prevented me from almost even thinking about starting my own company was fear of failure. And when I did start my company in the end, I was in a position where it wasn't actually very important to me that my company was very successful. I was at a point in my life where I just wanted to do something the way I wanted to do it. I wanted to sort of have control over my life and what I was doing. And I was at a point where I was okay if that meant that I wouldn't have any clients or I wouldn't make any money, I just decided that I'm going to do it and I don't care if it works or not. Like, I'm just going to try it. Uh, and if I hadn't felt that way, I don't think I would have dared to take the leap because I know, um, I mean, I think a lot of people struggle with fear of failure and putting yourself out there saying, hi, hire me, I have my own company is sort of, I mean, it's kind of an obnoxious thing to do, isn't it? Where you tell people, like, you should pay me money. Um, but 
I decided to go for it. But I also want to talk about sort of the privilege that I have and why it's not that easy for everyone else. So first of all, I live in Sweden. So Sweden as a country, we have free healthcare. Um, having your own company means I can still be part of a sort of union and get unemployment if I decide to uh, quit my company or no longer have a company. And in general, it's a very sort of supportive political environment. Uh, I did not get like startup money or anything, but I mean, some people even get that. So uh, it's it's a good country to be in. But the other thing was a personal point of privilege where I did not really have any debt to speak of. I had a teeny amount of student debt, but since education is free in Sweden, um, it was only to cover cost of living. And so it wasn't that much. And I had savings and I had a very supportive partner. And and also starting a company, right, that didn't require me to invest a lump sum of money to get started. So I had most of the equipment I would need, etc. So I knew I wouldn't be losing money, if you will. But also, I don't have kids. I don't have uh, anyone who is dependent on me making money. And we knew that with my girlfriend's income, if necessary, we would be all right. And lots of people thinking about starting their own company are not in that position. And so some people are like, oh, you're so brave, you did so well. And in one way, yes, absolutely, it was terrifying. But in another way, I was so safe in so many different ways that I don't want people to think, I can do it, therefore you can do it. It's easy, it's amazing. Because it's not necessarily like that. We all have different circumstances. We live in different types of societies. We have different support systems. And so starting your own company might be a lot harder for, say, a single mother or someone with large student debt or someone who doesn't have universal health care. So I don't want to make light of it or pretend that, you know, everyone can do it because I don't think it's that easy. Once I decided to start my own company, the thing that was the hardest, I think, was how do I explain to people that I'm good at what I do? So in Sweden in general, portfolios are not that common. And I had not thought to make one before I quit the job I had before I started this company. And that was, I quit my job May 2020 and officially started my company October 2020. So in between there, I sort of had to figure out how to market myself. And I hate talking about marketing yourself because I, I don't want to be a product. I want to be a person. But to some extent, uh, when you're thinking about marketing yourself, you do have to think of yourself as a as a product, as a service, even if it's just you. Like it would be easier if there were three of us because then we would market our services. Right. But I'm it's very hard to differentiate between marketing myself and marketing my services uh, since I'm it's just me. 
but I don't know, in Sweden we have something called the law of Jante, which is basically you should never tell people that you're good at anything. You should never brag, you should never, you know, make yourself sound better or that think that you're better than someone else. And then as a woman, I feel like we're always... Uh, we always feel like we need to do three times as much or three times as well to be just compatible with, say, um, a man in the same industry. And so these two things were kind of in conflict with each other when I started my company. So um, I decided to go the give away your expertise for free on the internet route, if you will. So I already had a blog and I started a YouTube channel where I share tips, tricks, um, test out software, talk about strategy, things like that. Most of that content is in Swedish, but it does have English subtitles if you want to check it out. And the blog is in, in Swedish as well, but can be, you know, Google translated for those very curious. And then, you know, just being very active on, on social media, specifically LinkedIn. That was the the marketing route I chose. And that is also a, a route, I guess, that is not, it doesn't require me to invest any money. So I've never purchased ads or hired a salesperson or made cold calls. I do network a lot, go to networking events, etc., and I'm not, I don't heavily market myself there. I just kind of connect with people and hope and believe that when the time is right, if they need me, they will remember me and find me. And so far, I've been very lucky um, because I had been networking a long time before I started my company. I think somewhere like 10, 15 years ago, maybe more, someone told me, you know, it's really important to network. Uh, and I, I'm not sure why I took that to heart, but I did not necessarily knowing what I was going to do about, you know, with this network that I was creating, but I did, um, you know, keep in touch with people I'd worked with before I did go to events if I could. And I also had like a lot of the first, uh, pieces of business I had were from people I had previously worked with that were now working somewhere else. And uh, and when they found out I started my own company, they contacted me. So I guess never, <laughs> never think that one of your colleagues will not be able to help you in the future because they might be your biggest client 10 years from now if you're starting your own company. So keep that in mind when you, uh, when you consider going into business for yourself. I mean, I struggle with asking for help uh, in my personal life as well as in my career, I I have always struggled to show any weakness or ask for help. I have always felt that I have to do it myself and I have so much I need to prove. So a couple of years previous to me starting my own company, I suffered from burnout and Burnout, while being the most awful thing, and I don't wish it on anyone, is a really quick course in asking for help. 
because suddenly you have to. And also, as you try to get better, you continually, you know, need help. And if you don't ask for it, you're not going to get better. And so you need to find the, the courage to tell people, you know, I don't know how to do this or I don't have the energy or I don't, I don't know this. And, and just hoping and trusting that people will, at least for the most part, be understanding and not take advantage of the fact that you are showing weakness. And don't get me wrong, sometimes showing weakness to people has absolutely not been to my advantage. And I have been put in situations where telling people I don't know or I don't have the energy has, you know, been bad for me personally and career-wise. But all in all, it does help. And the only way to realize that people actually want to help you is when you start asking for help and actually receive it. And so the more help I receive, I guess, the easier it is to ask for help. Because a lot of the fear around asking for help is that people are not going to help you. Like you're going to be rejected. And I don't know. I think maybe as a woman that's even worse. Like it's harder to take rejection, at least in some parts of the world. Um... And for me, definitely, it's been a it's been a journey, and I still struggle sometimes to to tell clients like I'm having an off week, right? I might not finish this in time, or you know, I'm even telling people I'm sick. Because being your so a solo company also means that if I get sick, there's no one who can do my work for me. So uh, this January, I had COVID. And I was out for two weeks. And there was there was no way I could finish things that I had promised to finish in January on time. And I was I was terrified to tell my clients that that was the case because I didn't know what would happen. But actually, they were all very understanding and just wanted me to take care of myself and, you know, told me not to worry about it. And I, that was not what I thought would happen, but I'm very grateful that it did. Being a one-woman band, if you will, is like both a strength and a curse. So I've always been sort of a Swiss army knife L&D professional. I do a lot of things well, but I am not an absolute expert in one particular piece of software or theory or type of training. I dabble in everything and I love new software and my motto in life is how hard can it be? So usually like in previous jobs I have been asked to do things I have never heard of and instead of saying I don't know how to do that I might have said I don't know how to do that, but how hard can it be? I'll give it a go. And so that makes you good at a lot of things, but not an expert in one thing. And I think whether you're starting your own company in L&D or you just want a career in L&D in general, that's kind of a choice you make at some point. Do I want to be a generalist or do I want to be a specialist? 
And so I think I would be bored if I was a specialist. So I prefer being a generalist. And that is very helpful because it means that I can make almost any kind of content. I can work with almost any kind of platform or software. And I'm very open to trying new things. But it also means that I sometimes don't have the expertise that I feel that I need. And so in the beginning, I would kind of say no, I guess, to that kind of work, or I would be hesitant at least to accept offers to to do things that I felt like maybe you need an actual expert. But back to the, the beauty of networking is that you find other solo uh, entrepreneurs or people in business for themselves that are experts. Yeah, the beauty of networking is that once you get to know people, you also get to know a lot of other people who are in business for themselves or who, or who have their own sort of small L&D shop. And you can ask them to sort of consult for you and you can help them as well. So you can sort of switch business with each other and use each other as subcontractors when needed. And so now, a year and a half, a little bit more, into having my own company, I usually, I have a a network of people that I know I can call upon to, to help me do the things I don't know how to do. So if someone wants a super advanced storyline course, I know who to call. Or I have a few video animators who I can call on when I don't have time to do all the animations, etc. And I think that is also really important because being in business for yourself means it's not a steady flow of work. Like periods of time, you have very little work. And then suddenly you are swamped and you don't know how to get by. And if you at one of those peaks, feel bad or get sick or suffer from stress-related issues, it's really important to have someone to call and say, could you help me with this? Like, do you have time to do this? And they can just send me an invoice. And um, yeah, and I don't have to hire anyone to do it, but we sort of just help each other out. And so that is another part of your network that I think is very important if you're going into business for yourself. If you are a woman and you want to start your own company or you're thinking about starting your own company, the first thing I would say is maybe get the idea of who can have a company out of your head because I definitely was hindered by this idea of what the typical entrepreneur is and how they have to be and feel. And I had this idea that to have my own company I needed to, you know, love being solo and working on my own and, you know, enjoy the freedom, yada, yada. And I I never, I, I didn't have a mind of being an employee. I didn't mind having a manager. That was not necessarily the reason I went into business for myself. And so, you know, just get those stereotypes out of your head and decide what kind of business you want to have and what kind of entrepreneur you want to be. 
And the other thing, I guess, I, I would take inventory. Take inventory of your network. Who do you know? Who can you ask for advice? Uh, where can you maybe go to expand your network if you don't have a good network? And also, I mean, look into the the financial aspects of starting your own company. Like, for how long could you sustain yourself before you start making real money? And what costs do you need to take on immediately? And what costs can you wait to take on until you are making money to pay for that? So, like, lots of different kinds of software, etc. I wouldn't buy them until I had a client who was willing to pay me for using them. I mean, I might pay for them for a short while if I needed to make a portfolio piece or something. But in general, I wouldn't get like yearly subscription services that I don't know that I will be paid to use. I will wait uh, to get those until I have the client. And also, you know, you can decide. I, I, you know, went for it. I quit my job and decided to do something completely different. I just jumped because I was in that privileged position. Now, if you're not, say you have, you know, you're a single mother or you financially, you know, you need to make money. You can't have a couple of months with no income. Maybe consider starting small. Like, could you work less at your current position? Could you work, say, four days a week instead of five and then start your own consulting services on the side and sort of grow it slowly? Or could you take some freelance work on the side to build up, you know, your network and your portfolio and then quit your job? So it doesn't have to be either or. You can sort of ease into it, if you will, right? You can you can go slow and then expand from there. I would also say, like, the things... Some people I know wanting to go into business for themselves, they wait very long to create like their website or their, you know, fix their LinkedIn profile and make sure, you know, they have um, resources and, and things to show if people need them. So a portfolio, etc. Like don't wait to do those things. You can start your website before you start your company. It's not that expensive to buy, you know, your own URL and um, like a, a very cheap account. Or you could even just link that to like a, a vlog <laughs> or a blog account. So you don't even have to buy, um, you know, the web service. You can just buy the domain. And even if you don't know if you want to go into business for yourself or not now, if you can buy your own name as a domain name, do it right now. It's not that much money per year. It's great for your portfolio if you want to have one. It's great for your website if you want to have one or whatever you might want to do. Like it's always worth it to own the domain. So I actually bought linea which it's .se, so Swedish, um, 2013, I think, or 2014. So I had owned them for a couple of years before I actually needed them. But that is very helpful when you're starting to market yourself. So if you can buy it, you should. I love LinkedIn. LinkedIn has been crucial, I think, to my marketing. It is where I have 
gathered my network for ages. So I have, if I want to contact someone I worked with three years ago or 10 years ago, I don't have them on Facebook, I don't have their email, but I have their LinkedIn. And I'm probably already connected to them because I've tried during my career to always connect with the people I work with there. Um, as soon as I start working with them or at least before I leave that job. And so therefore, the people who didn't know if I was good at my job or not, they were already on LinkedIn. And that was very helpful. But then also, I mean, there are LinkedIn groups you can join. And I found those useful a bunch of years ago. Nowadays, they're kind of dead. It's not a very, like, good feature on LinkedIn, I would say. I don't think they have a good um, structure for how to do the groups. And so the groups are usually very quiet. And there's usually just someone marketing stuff in it. But being part of discussions in your feed. Now that I find to be very, very useful and gives a lot of insight and a lot of ideas. And you don't have to know people necessarily to interact with their posts. And you can follow the people you don't know, but you admire or you find inspiring. And that will sort of give you a feed that will keep building you up and giving you energy to continue on when otherwise perhaps you wouldn't. So sort of curate your LinkedIn feed and all your other feeds as well, but just mute all the people that are not adding to your experience, that are not actively, you know, giving things that are related to what you do and what you are interested in. And, uh, and curating your feed will also, you know, make your experience of LinkedIn or any social platform really um, like more worth your time because it's easy to just, you know, scroll and scroll and scroll on these feeds and just sort of lose valuable time that you should probably be using to work. And I mean, if we're talking marketing on LinkedIn, like marketing yourself on LinkedIn, I would say it is good to plan ahead and maybe once a week at least, or maybe twice a week, have something that you do. So like every Thursday, I will post, you know, a question and tag some people, you know, so we can have a good discussion about that. Or in my case, I try to release a YouTube video every Thursday and, and then I will share that and sort of, you know, try to create a discussion about what that was about. But also I think I like, don't share anything that you don't think will bring value to those who see it because that way they're going to remove you from their feed and you will be out of sight, out of mind when, you know, they might have found you very useful. So just think about everything you post. Like it's not, don't think of it as a social feed. Think of it as a, you know, providing value to other people feed. I, I guess like if you want to start your own company, you should. But also if you're in a position where you don't know what you want to do with your career, and you think, you know, maybe starting a company is one 
way, you know, don't don't be afraid to do it because the worst thing that will happen, assuming you have, you know, um, made some smart financial choices ahead of time so you're not dependent on making money immediately, you can always, you know, take a job. And I, I have this mantra, I was like, a job I don't want, I can always get. So try to find a job you want. Because it's never too late to get a job you don't want. We messaged with Linnea a few days before we recorded and the solo one resonated for her because it was about setting up a loan. We had it in mind that it was about her speaking on her own and we just got a great episode as a result. Massive thank you to Linnea for her honesty and insight. It was a, a fascinating listen that I'll be going back to again. This is my third time I've heard it now. All the previous episodes are on our website and through your podcast player and it's really heartening to see people still listening to episodes we recorded some 15-16 months ago and we're humbled that people go back and listen to. Please like and subscribe to Women Talking About Learning on your podcast player. It really does make it easier for people to find us and connect. We are still recording, we have a few episodes lined up but we're always seeking new guests so please do connect if you're interested. All our details are in the show notes, along with Linnea's contact details and links to her blog, website and YouTube channel. On the 4th and 5th of May, we'll be at the Learning Technologies event at the Excel Centre in London. So, if you're there and you want to chat and you want to make a brief recording, please do get in touch and we'll make sure to find some time to spend with you. Thank you for listening and we'll see you again soon.